Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we are joined once again by the head coach of the University of Texas men's tennis team, Bruce Burke, to chat a little bit about his team's exciting weekend in Champaign at the National Indoor Championships. Of course, they perhaps pulled off the comeback of the tournament, knocking off USC 4-3 on Saturday, almost did the same thing to Tennessee on Sunday. And so, of course, we wanted to ask Coach Burke about about the growth he's already seen from his young roster, why he's so excited to coach these guys, not just this season, but over the course of the next few seasons. Then, of course, we had to take a deep dive into history. I was at the Atkins Tennis Center in Illinois all weekend long. You can't walk anywhere without seeing some sort of memento to the 2003 undefeated national championship Illinois team. Of course, Bruce Burke was the assistant coach for that Illinois squad, and so wanted to ask him a little bit about that at the end and so much more. Chris Halioris, my usual partner in crime when we talk to any of these coaches, joins me on this interview as well. It's a phenomenal conversation. I know all of you are going to enjoy. Of course, the reason we are able to do these podcasts day in, day out, because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Patreon family, and of course, from our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15 to get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75, and best of all, a free can of Wilson and extra duty tennis balls midwestsports.com the promo code is cr15 but with that in mind let's get right to it here is my conversation i should say mine and chris's conversation with texas head coach bruce burke Joining us on the podcast once again today, he is a two-time national championship winning coach. He maybe had the most exciting weekend of anyone in Champaign as his University of Texas played some of the most dramatic, some of the most exciting college tennis we have seen in this 2021 season. Think it's safe to say he's got a top 100 team on his hands this year. Thinks it's also safe to say, having seen the photos day in, day out, that our guest today has not aged a day since he was part of that 2003 Illinois National Championship winning team. It is a pleasure to be joined by Texas men's tennis head coach Bruce Burke. Coach, welcome back to the show. We snowed you in in Champaign so that you couldn't get out of coming back on the podcast. How are you and the team holding up? Uh, We're doing okay. And from what we hear about the situation in Austin, I think we're we're, uh, better off here than there at the moment, I think. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And of course, we are wishing the safety health for everyone back in Austin. We are glad to know, of course, your team is staying safe and healthy. And I hope you guys are getting some well-deserved rest because I just have to imagine, you know, this weekend, the highs, the lows, it it was a weekend for Texas men's tennis. Yeah, for sure. I think we all needed a little de-stressor. And so the last two days, we've just been hanging out in the hotel and well for us. So um, physically and especially mentally, I think everybody needed to, to chill for a couple of days and, and we're definitely chilling. 
Oh, no. Again, some well-deserved rest. Well, I want to start by talking about the weekend and, you know, again, your season in general because you guys are 8-3 and three right now, but you've played probably as tough an 11-match schedule as any team in the country. And, you know, it started with the National Indoors weekend when you guys are able uh, to get two really good wins under your belt. You guys knock off Chris's Liberty Flames, of course, as assistant coach Trevor Fauché, nephew of Chris Hallioris, so you gave him a nice little gut punch. Uh, but then you guys knock off Florida, you've played Baylor, you've played Arizona State, and then, of course, the National Indoors Weekend. I suppose at this point in February, normally a team has played, what, 15 to 20 matches. You guys haven't quite gotten there. But curious how you feel about your team through the first, you know, real challenge of the season. We feel pretty good about it. Definitely, if you had put the schedule in front of us prior to the season, could have told us that we made the A-team field at the indoors and and <laughs> found a way to get a win there and, and have two, you know, virtually two top 10 wins and, and an invaluable experience here. I, I would have taken it for sure. Of course, you always want to win the last one you played. And um, we came up a little short in that one. But yeah, I'm really happy with the results, but also the progress and the way our guys are learning as they go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we got to get into the match right away. Let's talk about what was maybe the most thrilling match of the weekend that Saturday night, uh, Saturday, I suppose, midday night. I don't even know at this point. They all blend together. But for you guys against USC, you drop the doubles point. And then USC ends up getting first sets, you know, at, a, at I think it was four different positions. I think they got the first yeah. at four. Yeah, it was four different positions. Uh, you know, they end up taking, was it a 3-0 lead in the overall dual match, 5-1 and finish first. And then the Longhorns came coming, and you guys roar back. You end up taking a 4-3 uh, victory over the Trojans. I mean, I know you guys beat Florida 4-3. I know you beat Arizona State 4-3, but it wasn't like this. What did you see from your guys on that day? What were you telling them throughout the match that just, you know, that can evoke that sort of performance? Well, I think it was not so much what we were telling them throughout the match, but what we had talked about with them the night before the match and especially throughout the season so far. And, you know, one of the goals that we had for our guys and they had for each other was to become a more resilient, mentally tough team. And I think because they were, because we were relatively inexperienced in college tennis, Maybe we, at the end of the fall, we didn't really feel like we were super strong in that area in terms of the mental toughness skills and the resiliency and the grit. And that's something we've been working on and talking about a lot. And and then the other thing I think that we took from our previous day's match against Baylor is that when we do get in positions to close out matches, how are we going to respond? Because I don't think we did a good job of, of that against Baylor. And we talked about the fact that we can't expect to be able to successfully back our way into a victory over any team at the indoors. And so we really talked about trying to continue on to play aggressively within your style and, and um, finish matches. And, and we did um, in that match, we had some young guys step up and close out their matches. And, and obviously we were resilient and to be down um, the doubles point in four first sets. So that's why I said at the top of the, uh, that our chat that I, I think that we're growing and we're learning and uh, improving. So that, that I think that was the key to that match. They closed well when they finally had their opportunity. They had to, to fight and um, scrap to get their themselves opportunities to finish. But once they got them, we finished pretty well, I thought. 
Yeah, you, you talk about the resilience, coach. And obviously, uh, I mean, one way to build resilience is to go down 3-0 every match, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're working on that, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah not ideal, but I guess that's, but that that's kind of the, the nature of my question is, is it just, I mean, obviously that's going to happen from time to time. Did it just happen to be, hey, we just, we got down 3-0 and that's just the way it was? Or, or is there something, a little something there that you plan on trying to work on to get the guys to come out a, you know, a, a little quicker, yeah. because obviously even like, even against Tennessee, you go and drop six first sets and then you come back and you're right back in the middle of the match and it's a point here or there. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're winning the match. But you I know. know when you get down that big early deficit, it's rough. Is that, is that something yeah. to work on or just yeah, sure. it happened and you know, uh, not a big no, deal. I think, I think it's something to work on. Um, yeah. And the Tennessee one would have been even more spectacular because, you know, <laughs> because of the way you set it up there. But um, yeah, I mean, the doubles is the most obvious thing. I think you can't go down 3-0 until you're down 1-0. And, and, you know, so far when we're playing the better teams, we're losing the doubles point. Um, but I thought there were some good things in our doubles this weekend. You know, we played pretty well at number one and pretty well at number three. Our two was not successful. And I think against Tennessee, we I knew that the doubles was going to be a really strong point for them. I knew it would be tough to win, but we were a little flat at number one, especially I thought and number two. Um, so that's definitely something to address. And typically I think the more inexperienced teams in college tennis, when they play the best teams, the doubles tends to be a little bit weaker because sometimes it takes a while for these guys to figure out what kind of um, intensity is really required to play college doubles at the highest level. And, it, and it's really an energy sprint and you have to be super aggressive and, and we're getting there. I'm not um, completely disappointed with our doubles, but we didn't uh, we didn't win any we didn't win a doubles point here. We had match points against Baylor, and that would have changed um, the shape of that match quite a bit. So that's the first step, I think. And then, yeah, I think there's some of our guys that haven't been getting great starts in their singles matches. So we we do have to address that. I agree. Um, so, but yeah, like you said, it's a good way to to test our resilience, but it's not, it's not a test we want to keep taking. <laughs> no. And you talk about that number three doubles position. And again, there's a lot of uh, ways we could go with this, but I want to focus in on them because, you know, we were, I, I got the chance to call all of the matches. And by the way, in that Tennessee match, I was, I was saying to Mike in the broadcast, I was like, when Texas comes back, it wasn't if Texas comes back. Cause I was like, when they do, no one can ever pick against them again, because if to do that back to back nights, uh, it would just have been the most miraculous thing. So I appreciate you giving us a little leeway for the rest of the season, letting Tennessee take that one and just you know, <laughs> making sure everything's in reality. But, you know, you talk about that three doubles team. The first match against Baylor, they had match points against Dekowiak and Furman, and you guys took the doubles point the first time you played them earlier in the season, and you kind of punched them in the face a little bit, and you sort of woke the sleeping dragon for the Bears, obviously. And, you know, it's so important to do that when you play a team with that sort of depth. And I know Cleve and Micah didn't get over the hump that time, but it was a didn't finish for them the next day, and they were right in that match at three. And then they do win that third day. Uh, they end up getting over the hump. They were the one team that got the victory. Maybe I'm screwing uh, that order yeah, up a little backwards. bit. US, yeah, it was backwards. They beat USC. They played That's well against USC, and then and they, they didn't were 4 finish. all against Tennessee. Yeah. 
yeah, and they didn't finish against Tennessee. So again, it's all a blended. Right. It's all one right. big smoothie in my head at this point. But right. but the pieces are there. Like I yeah. see that team, and I think it works. And so just to get these these reps, these experiences, because you talk about it, you know, Spaziri and Waldeep at one. That's a new team. Chichi and Peyton at two. They weren't great this weekend, but it's a new team. And you know, Cleve and uh, obviously Micah. It's a new team. Are you guys still in the find the pairings that work sort of phase, or are you starting to like the continuity you're seeing in your teams? Uh, yeah, we kind of like, you know, sometimes I think there's a tendency for coaches to keep changing pairings and, and think you're going to find lightning in a bottle. And yeah, for sure, chemistry and partnerships are important, but I also think it boils down to the the skill and discipline and energy that you show. And, and I think you, sh- if you're, if you're well-trained and well-coached and if you are good, you should be able to play with multiple partners. So I don't generally like to over-experiment, but, um, and I like what we're doing at one and three. I mean, both of our guys at number one have four years of college tennis um, to go, including this one. And both our guys at number three have four years of college tennis to go. So it's, they're young, but they're do- considering that I think they're doing well. That said, our, I think we've got to also face reality that at number two right now, we're not doing well when we play a good team. We did beat Baylor the first time we played at number two, but I think our record at number two is one and four for those guys. Um, so I think we may we may try to mix a match a little bit and um, see if we can come up with three teams that we feel if they execute well and compete well, we're going to have a chance at every position. So that. That could be coming, not for sure, but we might change it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I do want to talk about Chi-Chi because even though he didn't get over the hump, well, I, I was going to say, we can just do it now because, you know, he struggled throughout the weekend. There's yeah. no denying that. And that first set against Tennessee was was probably the nadir for him on the weekend. And then the way he fought back over the next two sets, I know he didn't win the match, but some of that was probably just you build such a big deficit. You spend so much energy coming right. back. And yet there were, you know, he he clearly picked up his play. And he's the one guy who played in a national championship match, right. has that sort of experience on your roster. What yeah. did you see from him this weekend, particularly at the end? Yeah, like it's exactly what you said. I mean, he did not play well this weekend in singles. I know he would be the first one to tell you that. But um, I definitely believe in Chi-Chi and his game a lot. The guy is super high character. Um, he is a very good competitor and he wants it real bad. So um, we trust him a lot. Um, and he has come up in big matches for us a lot over his first couple of years. He, he played doubles in the national championship, but I believe he saved match point for the doubles point on his serve with um, against Florida. And had we not won that doubles point, we probably don't win the national championship that year. We probably would have lost to Florida in the semis. And, you know, he beat Stanford twice in big matches last year. He clinched against North Carolina his freshman year. Um, what else did he do? He beat Florida last year and this year when we beat when we beat them both times. So he he knows how to win and he knows how to win in big moments. Um, he just simply didn't play well and lost his way a little bit out there this weekend for whatever reason. So when he does play well, um, there's you, I think you would agree when you saw the difference in the level of his first set compared to how he was playing when he was coming back in the second set. It was like two different tennis players. <laughs> So we just, I was like, there's that forehand. I was like, where's it been? Yeah, no, it's, I think we just got to find a way to raise his bottom, you know, so (laughs) that, so that when he's off that, that level does, it doesn't drop to that, you know, to that, 
to that degree and he knows it and it's something he's working on and, and he's actually played pretty well this year heading up until this point and he's played some really good doubles too so I mean I think he'll be I think he'll be back playing some good tennis um, real soon I hope mm-hmm. and uh, I expect that he's done it this year already and I think he'll do it again mm-hmm. and the reason I wanted to ask about him in specific and I want to ask about Micah as well is because that's the court you were situated between. Yeah. And I know some of that is, look, there's six courts. We've got to spread the love, three coaches, yada, yada, yada. That's how we're going to game plan. But you were with Chi-Chi from start to finish in that match. Yeah. And so I'm curious, is there a reason for that? Um, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, I, I could be wrong about this, you know. But <laughs> sure. um, I just felt like with Micah, I mean, obviously, Mike is. I'll start with Micah. He's done amazing so far as a fr- as a freshman. I, th- I think his record is like twenty three and two or twenty four and two, something like that. He's. I know he's only lost twice. Um, you know, so he's had a he's had a great start, but he is still um, a little fragile, believe it or not, at times. You know, um, you know, and he needs a lot of constant um, coaching in terms of keeping his level of um, his his mental framework the same regardless of what's happening in the score and the circumstances of the match. So I felt like I, I wanted to be there with him to really keep him on track. I thought that was a key position, but you know, all the positions are important. And I, I just made, we just made the decision that we're going to stick with the same guys this weekend. And Chi Chi, I feel like also um, is so important to the team because I know not everyone saw it this weekend, but I know the level he's capable of when he's playing well, I've seen it several times before. And so I, thought I wanted to be there to try to help him keep that level. I, I guess I didn't do it this time. Um, but, you know, that was my thinking. But honestly, I could make the same case for Evan McDonald and Cleve because every point matters. Um, and I have a lot of confidence in Brandon and Austin, who's a great young coach um, and wants to stay in coaching to help the other guys on the court. It's just the decision we made this time. But, um, yeah, I thought those guys were key spots and um, for our chances. No, I mean, my my next question, and I'm sorry, Chris, I swear at some point I'll let you speak, uh, but just the last one was, how good is Micah? Because we our broadcast booth was right above him all weekend long. He was 2-0-1. That one didn't finish. It was like 2-all in the third, whatever. He, yeah, you know, he, that he was match, up a break. He was up it, a break in the third against Finn, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the match he played against Destanich, I mean— Talk about that was a match that could have been a one singles match. Stefan right. played great, and so did Micah. And you see the forehand, and you're just like, yep, that forehand's better than everyone else's here. Like, that's a pro ball. And obviously, he's played a little pro uh, tennis. He's played, I think, the Sarasota Challenger before, so he has that experience. But just, you know, it's kind of like that, you know, it's that unrefined, it's just an unrefined power. You're just trying to mold it, and you're like, you know, rein it in a little bit. But I'm curious because you've got big hitters you know every time CM hits a ground stroke at one he's stepping into it his body weight is always moving forward and then you look at two and you're like well Elliot just out hit Riley Smith so he can play a little power tennis as well and then you've got Micah there at three who might be the best of them all I mean you know again how good is Micah right now I think he's very good right now and I think he's gonna continue to get better all the time because he is he loves tennis he's extremely coachable very high care, you know, great character guy, um, comes from a great family and, uh, he's got weapons. He's got natural weapons and he was well taught. I mean, his technique is great uh, off the ground, his forehand and backhand. So he, and he's strong physically. So he hits a great ball. I agree. His ball is, um, pretty rough to deal with. And so if he's mentally sharp 
Um, and I know he's only going to keep getting better and, and improving his transition game, his skills around the net, his serve's already gotten better. Um, yeah, I think he's going to be a great college tennis player. He already is, but I definitely see he's a guy that can be playing at the top of the lineup at some point in his career. And I think he, you know, he wants to play pro tennis when he's done with college. So I think he's got the kind of skills that will give him a chance to do that. So I want to move a little down towards the bottom of your lineup, coach. I hadn't had a chance really to see prior to this weekend, Evan McDonald play. And my first impressions watching him play was, man, this guy hits the ball hard for a number six singers, singles guy, right? I mean, most of the times we're seeing the battles at six between, you know, guys that are good grinders, put a lot of balls in play. And, and he looks, you know, game style wise, looks like a guy that would be better suited if, he could put enough balls in play to be higher in the lineup playing more power guys. Right. And honestly, I, I did see some of Jacob Bullard last year and I thought that was the guy we were going to, going to see I, you know, based off maybe some of the fall results, neither one of them did particularly well at Alabama. I think, right. I think, uh, you know, I think one of them went, I, I think Nev, Evan went Oh, and three against the Bama guys and Jacob went one and two, maybe beating yep. Retke, but um, but talk about, about those guys. And I would, I would assume at some point we probably are still likely to see Jacob Bullard playing somewhere in some matches this year. Yeah. I mean, Jacob obviously was a really accomplished junior and, um, has had some good moments for us too, um, individually in tournaments throughout, you know, throughout his first couple of years and in some dual matches too, but it was a tough call between, you know, Evan, Jacob, and then also Nevin Aramilli, who's, um, you know, maybe his UTR is not as high, but he's he played pretty well in Alabama. So it, it wasn't clear. We were hoping that Alabama tournament would make it a little more clear to us. And it wasn't like it was exactly what you how you described it. So we ended up just making a decision to go with one person and um, give them a, a healthy chance to to see what they could do. And, and it's just a coach's decision. And at this point, we think Evan is the guy, but it's not, you know, it's not super clear. Um, and as far as Evan's game, yeah, I agree. That's one of the reasons we were, I was attracted to him when we were recruiting him is that he had, a, you know, a bomb serve and, and a lot of firepower on his forehand. And um, he's a pretty good athlete, but he was um, relatively inexperienced compared to a lot of the guys you'll see playing college tennis at this level here in terms of, he didn't play any ITF tournaments. He didn't have any international experience. He didn't really, you know, he just played the typical USGA stuff and um, and was pretty, even though he's a mature kid, he's immature. Um, he was he was immature competitively, I think, and immature with some of his habits. And he's come a long way. He made some he had some um, showed some good stuff, um, you know, this fall. He looked really good. And, and um, you know, I think if you asked him, obviously, he'd be really proud of that win against USC and Jake Sands. Um, that gave us a chance to win the match and, and Jake was serving for the match and Evan found a way to break and, and, win, and win it. So that was really great for him. Um, and, and then the next day, it wasn't as good again. You know, he didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't his best. So I think, I don't think you guys really saw his best or close to his best this weekend, even though he did find a way to, to win that match against USC. So um, yeah, we, we believe that we can have a strong spot at six, but so far, with the exception of that win, we haven't really had it. Uh, when we played Florida earlier in the year, he lost five in the third to um, Blaze McNeil. And he had four set points, quadruple set point for the second set the first time we played Baylor against Furman. So he's been there. I mean, I think he had match points against um, Famba in a fall tournament. 
So he definitely has when when he's firing and he's in a good spot competitively, he can he's capable. Um, and like all of our young guys, we just gotta keep getting better and keep climbing the mountain. Well, you the, great segue. You, you you mentioned Florida there. What is it about you guys that you've got Florida's number, right? I mean, you, the, you get that match in the in NCAAs a couple of years ago. You you get him at kickoff this weekend. When even though you were at home, uh, you know, most pundits uh, would would have made Florida, let's say, the favorite coming out of there. And yeah. you guys took it to them. And I mean, and unfortunately, none of us got to see the end because of the move indoors right. and that final set between. Right. Uh, but with with Riffis and Elliot, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you you seem to have have the number for those guys. Not just most pundits, by the way. These pundits as well, <laughs> yeah, coach. Yeah, these all, pundits. All, yeah. all three of us will we'll throw <laughs> into know, that. And mix I, of, honestly, you know, if I was a pundit, pundit rather than a coach, I I give you a hard time sometimes. But if I was a pundit rather than a coach, I, I think on paper it makes sense the way you guys called <laughs> it. But um, but you know, but I believe. But knowing our guys like I do, and seeing them every day, I do believe we're capable. Like all coaches believe their team is capable if they if they bring it on that day. So I don't know. I don't know if there's anything special about Florida. I do like. We like competing against them. I have so much respect for their team in terms of the level of their team, but also their coaches. And the, I feel like they do a great job with their players and and do things the right way. And and um, you know, it's a class act that they put on. So it is fun competing against them. Yeah, we have had. Recently, we have had, um, you know, good success against them, but they've, they're always super tight matches that can go either way. So we should probably stop scheduling them because otherwise they'll probably be winning the next four or so against us. And I always have a soft spot in my heart for Florida because I that was my um, first coaching job at the Division One level. I coached there for six years um, with when Ian Duvenhaek was the head coach from 90 to 96. So, I, I you know, uh, Florida and the Gators are always – there's, there's always a spot for them in my heart, but um, no, it's a, it's a, always been a great match when we play against them. Mm-hmm. So obviously we saw, you know, we got to see last night a little, a little Parsa bomb breaking that uh, <laughs> Richard Ciamara is coming your way next year from Notre Dame, a guy that's been, you know, a top 10 ranked, pl- you know, player in singles. That's gotta be, I mean, given that you've got, a, what I would still call a really young team, right? I mean, all these guys for you that have all this potential are young, and now you're going to bring in a veteran like him uh, that, that's been around. I, I mean, you're already up there challenging with the big guys this year. That's just got, I mean, I look at it, and and frankly, I kind of thought, yeah, with all these young guys, probably a year away, but nothing says you can't do it this year. But that's got to be, a, that's a huge move for you next year, bringing him in. Yeah, uh, uh, as you uh, as you probably know, I can't really comment about any of the recruiting that we're doing until we have guys signed. Um, so I can't really comment about that or confirm anything. But um, in general, I would say that I really like the base that we have with our team. They're mm-hmm. super young, but and, and it's great to know that we're going to have them for most of them for four more years, including this one. In Chi-Chi's case, maybe three years. Um, you know, so most of our lineup will be around for a while. And I am still confident that the way we have our, you know, our scholarship situation set up, that we're going to be able to add one or two more players next year. Um, and I think they can be impactful. And you see what, you know, see what a team like Baylor, this year is just, everything's changing now. For the next two or three years, you're going to have some of these grad transfers that are going to make their way into the lineups and it's going to be, they're going to make a big difference. Um, you know, you see, you see it this year with with Baylor. So um, 
we may be able to pull off something similar in terms of bulking up our roster, but nothing's final yet. Um, but I am optimistic that we're going to, we're going to continue to take another step forward next year. That was a great answer. You nailed that one. I appreciate that, Coach. But, um, okay, I'm going to spin it a different way then because I think this is a topic certainly you can comment on is you look at your roster and the thing that jumps out is the youth of it all. As you mentioned, you've got guys one through four who still have four more years left on the docket. And, of course, when you look at the broader landscape this season with the fact that UNC brought back everyone, with the fact that Baylor's got a super team on their hands, obviously the circumstances of 2021 are different. But moving forward for your team, uh, you know, certainly, and we've talked about it here, you know, you start to pencil up that 2022 schedule. And I know you want to focus on this year first, but you think, okay, like, Texas Longhorns could very well probably will be competing for a national championship and I know for you guys that's the goal every season but how do you balance you know again develop you know getting wins here in 2021 with the fact that you're going to have these guys on your hands for the next couple of seasons and if they develop properly you guys can win multiple national championships how do you balance the long-term development with getting wins right now as the coach? Uh, well, I think at this time of year, the focus is on, on, um, winning matches now, Sure, you know, and, and we've proven that we can have a chance, even though we may not be the favorites, we have a chance to, to play or to, to beat if all things line up any team that we play. So we're definitely not writing off this season by any stretch. I think our guys are super excited about what they can do this season, even, you know, Baylor's proven to be one of the very top teams in the country. And, and, you know, they, this, the final score lines weren't that close with us, but, you know, we were there in the matches. Um, so, so that's our focus right now. And then for the long term, we're just trying to do right by each player to help them develop and get better because they want to, most of them want to play after college also. So that's always a little bit of a balance, but when you're in the thick of things in the dual match season, you're probably trying to focus a little bit more on preparing them to play that next match. And then, when we have a little downtime in our schedule, you know, you, that might you pick your spots about when you can work on developing for some more long-term skills. And that's also what the summer's about and what the fall's about. But right now the focus is on, on this year, you know, um, use the term super teams. And I think this year is super strong for college tennis. I really do think there are some super teams because a lot of their, a lot of those top teams got their those seniors back Um you know, I understand why seniors would want to come back and take advantage of the extra year for their tennis and also to get a graduate degree in many cases. And that just makes for some tremendous teams. And just the fact that we're able to hang in there with this group right now and, and be, you know, part of the party and be part of the 18 field here has been, a, I think, a really um, a good thing for a, a good indication that we've got a good base on our team. Um, of course, when I you know, we wanted you and Christian to come back and be on the team, or at least one of them, like some of these, you know, some of the other programs got. But, um, you know, so at first there was probably a bit of disappointment. But once that decision was made, I think we were, you know, we were appreciative to everything for everything those guys did for the program. But once that decision was made, then then it just turns into a question of opportunity and, and not so much pressure, you know, on us. Um and just opportunity for our guys to develop and step up in their roles and, and, and play better players and, and improve. And so far, I think they've been answering that call pretty well. Yeah. So on that 
topic, I don't want to get too long winded. I know you're short on time, but uh, you know, I just, can you give us a little insight into the sort of I'll equate it almost to kind of the salary cap restructuring that pro <laughs> teams have to do, right? Like say in, in football or whatnot, where with these extra years you've been granted, how, what, you know, have you had to get into the, Hey, yeah, with the opportunities over the next two or three years to potentially bring in grad transfers, et cetera, maybe we get to do a little bit of, Hey, you know, player X, we can restructure your total deal a little to push it around, you know, let's move a little money out to year four from year one kind of thing is I assume there's a lot of that kind of thing yeah. across the board going on. I think so. I think that happens. I mean, but you know, net, net, nothing we do would um, result in giving anybody on our team one penny less right. overall than they were promised. But yeah, some, some scholarships are written in ways that can give some flexibility to the coaches. Like you're on an average of this, throughout year or the total is going to be this, but, you know, we have the flexibility to adjust higher or lower, but never go beneath this number. Some are the same every year. So yeah, there's some, there's some of that for sure. And, and so, so you look, you may look at our roster and see that we have no seniors on our team, except for Peyton Holden, who was a graduate transfer. And, and it may appear that we have no scholarship money available, but, but maybe there is some, you know, maybe we do have the ability to, to bring in either a freshman or a graduate transfer this year and next year. And so I think that's the same with um, a lot of teams, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I, I'm hopeful that even though we're so young and even though we don't really have anybody graduating other than Peyton this year, and, and I believe Chi Chi would be the only one scheduled to graduate the following year. Um, but I mean, it's definitely a strong possibility that he would come back at this point. That's the way it's looking. Um, even with that in mind, I'm expecting that we're going to be able to add one or two players that can help us significantly in the next year or two. Mm -hmm. No, that's awesome to hear. And again, the Longhorns have been fantastic throughout this 2021 season. And so we will be wishing your team success, health throughout the rest of the year. Like I said, certainly your top 100 at this point, coach. <laughs> uh, but I do want to sneak in one more question to you, not about Texas, but I was in the Atkins Tennis Center all, all weekend long. And you know, the shrine justifiably to the 2003 championship is there. And I got to read all the newspaper articles because I'm a nerd. And I was like, what? There are articles about this match. Let me read all of them right now. I don't think I was as well aware of the fact, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. A, you guys are 32-0 that season. For those who don't know who I'm referring to, uh, the Illinois men's tennis team 2002-2003, head coach Craig Tiley, assistant coach Bruce Burke, who again looks exactly the same then as he does <laughs> now. Uh, you know, that team, Brian Wilson, Amir Delic, Rajiv Ram, on and on and on. I don't think you guys played a 4-3 match the entire season until the national championship match. I believe you guys dropped doubles. And then I think in the end and I think this was in the article. So there was an overrule on six yeah. that gave the yeah. match to Martin. Talk, just talk to me about the match. Yeah, no, that was, yeah, I'll remember that one for a while. I don't always <laughs> remember the, each match, but yeah, we, we lost a close doubles point against Vanderbilt and Vanderbilt had gone on a good run and upset a few teams and got to the finals. We lost the doubles point. Um, we won first, we won six first sets, mm -hmm. lost five second sets. Um, <laughs> And so the only one that won in straight sets was Rajiv at number three. Mm -hmm. And then um, then we ended up going down 3-1 in matches. And 
um, we did, there were no, not too many teams had volunteer coaches back then. I don't think we didn't have a volunteer coach then. So Craig was on those upper courts at one, two, and three. And I was on the bottom courts at courts four, five, and six. And that was Phil Stolt at four, Michael Calkins at five, and, and Chris Martin at six. So we were down three, one, um, Calkins won to make it three, two. And so I was on those three courts. Calkins won to make it three, two. Then Phil Stolt played Scott Brown. Um, <laughs> he won his match he and he was hurting with his back he just all i remember telling him was just he could find he could find what his scrounge had a break and i just told him Sir, just serve as hard as you can and that's because <laughs> that's all he could do at that point somehow he found a way to finish that match to tie it at three all and then i was down there with chris martin and he was serving for the match at five four went down love 40 he was getting understandably nervous um, of course, there was regular scoring back then, you know, so that that's different. Who knows what would have happened in no ad scoring. But 5-4, um, 5-4, uh, serving for it, love 40. Deuce, he got it back to Deuce, lost the next point. Um, uh, got it back to Deuce again. And then on um, on match point, and Chris was an old, I just told this story to a couple of our guys. I told it to Micah the other day because, you know, Micah working with him on his volleys and we were messing around in practice and he was serving and volleying and that wasn't going so well for him. And I told him the story of Chris Martin, and, you know, who was not a net player. And so, but he was playing a guy that was chipping returns. And so on match point, we called the serve and volley and he served, he served and volley with the kick serve in the ad court, hit a four in volley right on the line. And, um, the ball, the call was made out and, you know, and, uh, it was overruled and that was it. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine the celebration that followed. Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny. I imagine you look at Scott Brown and now he's Scott Brown, the assistant at, uh, Virginia. Do you still see him as the Vanderbilt kid? You're just like, Oh, Scott Brown, <laughs> you and Reynolds did a number on us. <laughs> um, no, I remember. I, you know, of course, I'm getting to that point now where I'm old enough that most of the, a lot of the coaches that are playing are, you know, I remember when they were playing that are yeah. that are coaching. I, I remember some of them when they were playing. But um, no, I mean, I think Scott's done a really good job at Virginia as a coach, and yeah, I remember who he was and, and <laughs> him as a player. But I, um, I respected him as a player, and, and now he's doing a great job at Virginia. Mm-hmm. Last one, that team or the 90s, I think six or seven team, the Stanford team with, you know, Alex Kim at five and six singles, which one's the best college tennis team of all time? Or I should no, say in modern history. Yeah, I mean, sex, sexier was probably the Stanford team, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah. our team was pretty good. I mean, we had Ryler to hard play number seven um, that year. He didn't make the lineup in the uh, – we had three guys on that team that ended up being number one in college tennis. So, uh, uh, so I'll, I'll have to pick that team. But I think the more impressive thing, honestly, was the next year after the 2003 team, we graduated, Rajiv turned pro, Amir turned pro. We didn't replace them with anybody. And we won our 32 matches, first 32 matches again. So we won 64 in a row. We lost um, in the semifinals. But I mean, I think that was, that was a pretty special group too. I didn't want to bring up the UCLA match because I was going to say only positive memories today. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Coach, I know you have a meeting you have to yeah. get to. So, again, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Sincerely, it was a pleasure watching your team compete this weekend. We will be wishing you guys safety and health, not only in traveling back to Austin, but obviously throughout the rest of this 2021 season as well. So, Coach, thanks. thank you for yeah, taking Thanks time. for all you guys do for college tennis. It's been a huge boost for the sport. Oh, of course. It's our pleasure, Coach. Take care. Stay safe. A spot is always open for you. All right. Appreciate it. See you. Yeah, of course. Take care.
Hope all of you enjoyed our conversation with Texas men's tennis head coach Bruce Burke. A huge thank you to Coach for taking the time to chat with us. He is currently, as I mentioned, or when we recorded, he and his team were snowed in, still at the hotel in Champaign, hoping to get back to Austin. Of course, we are wishing safety and health to everyone in Austin affected by these winter storms beyond Austin as well, but we know they have particularly bad power outages there. But again, a huge thank you to Coach for taking the time to chat with us. A huge thank you, uh, obviously, to his team for the way they competed. We will be wishing them safety, health, success throughout the rest of the 2021 season. And by the way, if you missed anything from this past weekend's National Indoor Championship, go check out the Mini Break podcast Chris Heliorce and I did each and every night. If you want to hear a breakdown of the final day, you can go see our complete breakdown, our all-tournament teams, our new top 10 rankings in the Great Shot podcast. Matt Stokoyak, Chris Heliorce and I report, uh, recorded yesterday. I believe that podcast already live on the Great Shot podcast feed by the time you all hear this. So if you're interested, again, feel free to go check that out. And again, if you have missed anything uh, that's gone on in the past couple of days in the tennis world, it's a busy time. It's not just the college tennis world rock and rolling Australian Open entering the home stretch. Jamie McDonald and I hopped on a mini break podcast yesterday to break it all down. Of course, we have our daily GSP Ace of the Day picks, which you can all go find on our Great Shot podcast feed as well. And for all of our content, just check out the website, crackrackets.com for, uh, you need more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly. I am at Great Shot Pod. Shout out as always to the super producers, Fliegner and Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out shout it as well to our friends at midwest sports go to midwestsports.com use that promo code cr15 but with that in mind for our wonderful guests head coach bruce burke for my partner in crime chris Hallihorse, our super producers fleet and westoff our friends at midwest sports and all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you've been listening to another edition of the cracked interviews podcast stay safe stay healthy and we'll talk to you all soon thanks everyone 